welcome to Sudoku Book Club, where we finally get around to the books that have been sitting on our shelves forever. I'm Tim Everson. And I'm Leif Nelson, and I just like to say... Thank you. Golf Thank club. you. You know, <laughs> it's only like 15 words. It really shouldn't have taken as long as it did for me to it's get that down. It's, it's a lot. Mouthful. It's a lot. Those books, they're sitting on those shelves forever, though. <laughs> Every time I do it, like, behind the scenes, I have to, like, whisper it to myself. Like, okay, what do, what do we say? Do we say, welcome to the podcast? No. What? We... <laughs> Hello, welcome to Sendok Book Pod. This is Tim Leaf Pod books on shelves anyway someday we will write it down and have a script uh to read out no, but no. today's not that day no and that i mean you know you and emily before her untimely death you know made it you know far enough and then you know we're doing fine we don't need a script i say that as the person who doesn't have to edit so <laughs> <laughs> for me i just i show up let it all out walk out it's a it's a real cool cool thing that i've landed into yeah you leave it all on, on the court you don't have to like wrangle the balls and clean up <laughs> you don't have to mop up after i don't have to wrangle any balls or mop up after them you're you're correct i i've been reading a lot of haiku which is a volleyball manga so that is what's on the mind <laughs> really really it did Make me tear up at one point. So, wow. Uh, like issue 326 or something like that, if anyone's curious. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, Leaf. I <laughs> I told you when we came in today, I've been reading so much. I have oh. so many books that I Tell can... Tell me about it. I can... Well, no, but you said that you had one ready to roll, and I don't want to get into your way. And, and we told the good people that you were going to have one ready to roll. Yeah. So... I will do the selfless thing for the podcast. Step aside. Thank you. Uh, Tim, in all his graciousness, has ceded control over to me, and now you are mine. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about uh, Once and Forever, the tales of Kenji Miyazawa, uh, translated by John Bester. Um, this was this is, this is going back to the, the uh, well of Christmas gifts that I've received, because they are many. Um, this was a gift from Emily... Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, who gave this to me uh, two Christmases ago, so 2019, in the before times, before uh, uh, everything. <laughs> um, 2019, I, I got this. Uh, this was before I had read a lot of the other books. She, I'm pretty sure I hadn't read any book she had ever gifted to me at this point, I think. Uh, so it was real brave of her to give me another book. <laughs> And I and I really appreciate it. Um, That's one of the things that we miss about her most, most her her brave nature, her her kind and trusting soul. And think about her today when we talk about this book, because really, it's this one's this one's for Emily. Sometimes when things are quiet, I imagine I can hear her in the other room watching House. But that, that, that's not happening. I, that's all in my head. Um, <laughs> that, that must haunt you. You're like really, a listen. I play like a these, Bronte story in here. I play out elaborate fantasies of domestic normalcy. <laughs> really, he's just in here with two cats, just by himself, and uh, oh it's my gosh, very sad. There's so much fur. Um, but no, uh, I did read this book. Um, I started to read it a while ago, 
but I stopped, and there's exactly one reason why. I mentioned before, this. I, don't, I would not normally include this in a foreign work, or a non-English work, that it was translated by John Bester. He is the reason I almost did not read this, and that is because he has an uh, introduction, he has a, um, a foreword that he wrote, and in the first few sentences, he made me quit reading. And I'm just going to read... The first couple of sentences. All right, here we go. This collection is subtitled The Tales of Kenji Miyazawa. To refer to, quote-unquote, children's tales would have been misleading from the outset. Mere children's tales could not have commanded, for some 70 years in a violently changing world, an increasingly wide following among adults. And cool. I stopped reading. <laughs> cool. Because I got so pissed off for a multitude of reasons Number one, a lot of adults read children's books. <laughs> Most children's books are bought by adults. <laughs> That's just like a factual thing. The other thing is, I got my master's in children's literature, and I feel a certain protectiveness about like things that are classified as children's literature. So I went to I went to grad school at K State, which has like a children's literature program, and I. It's it's a very welcoming community of people who study children's literature. Kansas State for the uninitiated. Kansas State. Certainly not Kentucky, um, which is the other KSU that comes up whenever I type. Or wait, no, I think it's like Kennesaw State. Ken no, there's Kennesaw State. There's also Kent State. Yes. But a lot of the professors there, and one of the reasons I like attended their master's program is they do children's literature. So they have a very positive view about it. There, we have like a leading Harry Potter scholar there. We have... A, uh, um, who's the guy who wrote, uh, The Golden Compass? Philip Pullman. Philip Pullman scholar there. We've got, like, really cool, we've got a Dr. Seuss scholar who's very well known. So we have a lot of professors that explicitly talk about children's literature. So all this, all the literature I'm reading, all the scholarship, all this research I do is, was doing was about children's literature. And I knew from reading stuff, and I knew from them talking that, like, Children's literature is like a young field, and it's not very widespread, and there are still people who have, like, issues with it as, like, quote-unquote serious literature and, like, worthy of study. But I did not experience that in the supposed-to-be-two years, what ended up being five years, of <laughs> master's study. If I'm being generous, it's... If I'm being more accurate, it's three years, and I, I uh, was a dropout for two years. <laughs> uh, and it's only thanks to the pandemic that I went back. So, I open this book, and I read those two pages, and it suddenly just, like, hits me, like, this is what people think of children's literature. It's just for kids. So, because this is good, because John Bester likes these stories, and other adults like these stories, they can't be kids, they can't be children's tales. Let me tell you, spoiler alert, these are for kids. These are these are children's stories. Every single one of them is like, it, whether it's a fairy tale or like an Aesop-style story, they're for kids. Like you, you see that attitude, I mean, in anything that, that's meant for, for kids. You see it a lot with like children's movies and stuff. Right. It's like, like, oh, it's a Pixar movie. Oh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Pixar, so that means oh, this is this is worthy of the general audience. This is not just some, you know, minions 
Drek. Yeah, actually, no, even though I just said the Pixar thing, a lot of people talk about Pixar movies as if they're not kids' movies because, like, oh, like, the first ten minutes of Up or what have you. People showing emotions. Spare me. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a weird thing that I kind of get. Like, I understand, like, oh, I'm an adult and I'm enjoying this. Mm-hmm. That means it's better than kid stuff. It's not Teletubbies. It's the exact. It's but it's that same attitude that like you know that I that I had when I was like nine or ten years old and was singing songs about lighting Barney on fire <laughs> yes. and stuff. It's oh, just I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's just it's stuff for kids is stupid. Stupid. I'm a I'm a big boy. Yeah, I'm reading <laughs> Alex Cross novels now. <laughs> There's rape and murder in this, yeah. and God damn it, this is, this is, I'm an adult. <laughs> so, that made me stop reading it, and I'm pretty sure it was for like a solid year. I brought this along over Christmas to read um, while traveling, and I really loved this book. Okay. Like, there's a solid, like, 20 to 30 short stories children's tales in this and they're all bangers (laughs) they're all really really great there were maybe like one or two that i like wasn't didn't get but i can't explain this i I said this before with the ghost in the shell i don't know if i didn't get them because like there's a translation thing or a cultural thing that i'm not getting or if it's just because eh, maybe they're not all winners but even the ones that i like didn't get i was incredibly intrigued by like i'm just like in like i was into them even if i didn't like get them some of my favorites are general sun by you which is a story about a general that claims to have been gone for 30 years but he's really been gone for 33 years and every time he says a number people are like that doesn't quite make sense and they real and they take him to a doctor who's like oh you've got like these brain mushrooms in your head that uh, he makes him do some math, like, what's 10 times 10? And he says 80 or 90. I can't remember what the number is. And like, hmm, you're off by about 10%. He gets rid of the brain mushrooms, and he, he does numbers right. <laughs> like, <laughs> And there's other stuff that's happening in there, but that's the part I remember. There's one called the First Deer Dance, which is entirely about a guy who leaves an article. No, he leaves, like, a piece of food, like a rice ball or something, out in a glade, forgets it, comes back, and finds a bunch of deer standing around it and the deer start talking to each other in like heavy country like uh like low class accents um i don't know how it would have appeared in japanese but to me it read very much as like a very like old-timey western or southern accent um which is how they translated it they're all like debating about what the piece of food is and like trying to convince each other to like poke it and, and eventually eat it or something along those lines and then um, I think my favorite one I was reading is The Spider, Slug, and Raccoon. And I'm going to read a, an excerpt from that. Okay. So Spider, Slug, and Raccoon are all students of Owl. And uh, basically they're taught that the bigger you are, the better you are. And so they all kind of come through different means decide to become bigger. I need to eat a lot of things. And Spider's plan is to make webs and trap bugs, and he eats them. Uh, Raccoon's plan is to uh, pretend that God is talking to him and convince the other animals to get in his mouth. 
<laughs> um, and these all blow up in their faces in various ways. Um, I can't remember what happens to the spider, but the, the raccoon convinces a wolf or a coyote. I think it was a wolf. I don't know. If, I don't think Japan has coyotes. Convinces a wolf to get in him, and the wolf eats his way out. Um, and the slug wrestles people to death. And I'm going to read an excerpt from the slug wrestling people. <laughs> okay, so the the slug has invited a snail into his home and they're old friends and the snail is talking to him and says oh why don't we wrestle we haven't wrestled for ages ho 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 and he's always laughing like this throughout the story and the snail keeps saying no 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 and eventually he convinces him and he picks up the snail and says there over you go and and uh the snail hit the ground with a crash let's do it again ho 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 and the snail says no i, I i'm tired already oh come on there you go Ho, ho, ho. And he does this like five times in a row until the snail dies. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous. But I can, but I was imagining this as like a parent telling them to their kids and like getting to do all the voices and everything. And it's like everything he writes, every character has such <clears throat> like voice and like character. I can't think of another word. And is so funny and interesting like i i really fell in love like ever with everything that he was writing hmm. um those are the three that are my favorite there are others i i, I know i tr i say all the time oh i don't want to get too much into the plot i don't want to talk about any others of these like they're all just so good um he apparently has like longer works that are not included in this um I don't think they. I don't think he ever had like a novel, but he has like longer stories um, that were not included in this. And not all of his work is finished, and not all of these stories are finished because he died of tuberculosis when he was like in his twenties. Um, wow. He was a scribe um, for a family, and he also did like poetry and everything. He died of tuberculosis. He was not popular. Um, he didn't wasn't able to make a living off of his writing, but his friends held like a reading together of his works after he died, and eventually those works like just got, started getting handed around and became very popular and started getting collected. And at a certain point, his works and it, like I, I don't think any of these uh, stories were included. I might be wrong. They 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 didn't have annotations, so I don't know like which of the stories are more popular. I know at least one of these has been turned into a animated movie by a studio that eventually started working with Studio Ghibli. Um, but it, but it wasn't Studio Ghibli. Um, so, so obviously I know some of them are more popular than others, but at one point his poetry was being used by the empire of Japan as like nationalist propaganda, like <laughs> extremely popular right and just like exploded and then sometime around like the 60s or 70s was when like western people started like finding his work and translating it so he kind of had like a smaller renaissance again just very good is there a is there a western author or, or something that you would you would compare it to to give people kind of a um a comparison i'm trying to think i it it's been so long since I've read, like, children's, like, the, the stories I read when I was a kid. I'm trying to think of an example. Because things are very fantastical. 
um, like there are talking animals and but some but sometimes there are, there are people and people and talking animals and uh, one of the stories includes talking electricity. Uh, a kid falls asleep by the railroad and then when he wakes up, there's all these soldiers marching by and and the general stops by and he announces himself as general electric and <laughs> and it's it's the power lines being put up but this kid is seeing them as humans and it's very interesting i'm oh man i don't i i really like off the top of my head i cannot name like a single author part of me is thinking like the the toad and frog stories right. or like wind in the willows but those are much more grounded like they're just animals who are acting like people, whereas this is a little more fantastic or magical. Not to be the guy that compares Japanese thing to other Japanese <laughs> no, thing, but 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 that does seem kind of like a, a Studio Ghibli type. Oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that'd be the easiest like yeah whatever. no seriously it it is um, most of the time Studio Ghibli not all of them but a lot of their stories like say Spirited Away or. My neighbor Totoro starts very normal and then becomes more fantastic. This is just like, I mean, they're short. They're they're short stories, so like right. they get right into it, or they just like assume you know. Oh, raccoon was walking down the street, and you just know this is a fantastical story. Because um, raccoons aren't real. Yeah. <laughs> so that I Studio Ghibli is, is a decent way of going about it. I would assume that they were inspired by them. But, like, I don't know how to describe it other than, like, every single one feels like it's its own fairy tale. And he kind of, like, just runs the gamut of, um, here's a story that very clearly has, like, a message behind it. Like, there's one, or, like, a, a lesson for the children at the very end. Like, there's one about these frogs who, like, a, a toad, or I can't remember who, is, like, lying to them to make them work. And they find out and they get mad. But then a... a Bird flies by and says, a message from the emperor. You are, every animal is supposed to love one another and then flies off. And it's like, okay, <laughs> um, that's the lesson. So they don't fight him and everyone's happy. And, huh. and others are much more, I don't want to say dense, but they're not like, it's not very clearly. And here's the moral of the story. You could, you could definitely like glean it from it. Like, Oh, hey, here's a story about um, bears and a person hunting bears. You could probably get some sort of, like, environmental message or, like, respect for nature type thing from it. Because the, the beer, bear hunter eventually gets killed by a bear. Like, that sort of thing. But it's not explicitly said. And, like, and that's why you don't go hunting bears or whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, it's just... Every story is a little different. Honestly, what I'm thinking of right now is Neil Gaiman. Hmm. Neil Gaiman does not write a single story, but he certainly has like a through line. Like he really likes to write books about like, what if an idea were a person? Like, what if dream were a person? Or what if the gods were just people or what have you? Like that sort of thing. Um, and then every once in a while he'll have like a Coraline thing, which is like a kid goes into another world and meets evil versions of her family or what have you. And, and that's sort of what, what I feel about him. Like you can't just like, they're all kids stories, but they're all different kinds of kids, kids stories. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can like say a single one. So studio Ghibli, Neil Gaiman are like the closest ones I think of. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to read one that you liked. 
Oh my gosh, so am I. Like, I started reading it, and I the, the first story was one of those ones that I didn't, like, 100% get, but it was interesting, and so I kept reading. And I was like, oh wow, I really like that one. And I keep reading, like, I really like that one, too. And I just kept, and I, like, basically just, like, burned my way through it in, like, less than a week. It was great. I love, I love when I like reading. <laughs> I love when I'm, like, reading a book, and I want to keep reading it. Uh, it's a good is, feeling. It's an intoxicating feeling. Yeah. One I haven't felt in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a lot easier for me to get that with, like, comic books. Especially, like, serialized comics where it's like, oh, I just read a chapter. And I can keep reading or I cannot. And whatever. I'll just pick up later. Versus, like, a big graphic novel or a book where it's like, if you le- if you set this down for a week, you're going to forget what was happening. Right. <laughs> uh you kind of got to, like, have a steady drip of things, which is so w- funny because then, like, I'll read comics and I can read, like, five chapters of a comic book of comic books would be, like, anywhere between 100 pages to, like, 200, depending on how long they are. And I can just, like, burn right through that. And part of that is, uh, well, it's faster to read comic books, but also, e- even then, I'm still spending, like, a good half hour reading. If I had done that with a book... Maybe get through a chapter or two, but it doesn't like connect the same way. Right. So. Right. Well, cool. I don't know if I have any more questions. You kind of explained it pretty well. Um, do you have anything else? Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I'm just going to say, uh, highly recommend once and forever. And I will 100% be looking for like the other stories he has. Like it, this to me is the kind of book that I like would loan out to people and be like, Hey, you should read some of these. Yeah. Also, I would love to turn some of these into, like, picture books or something like that. Just really fun stuff. Very cool. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We would like to thank Velt Punch for their song Fighting Pose from the album His Strange Fighting Pose. Um, Next time, we'll be back with... I don't know. What, what, what will we be back with? Do you want to make a bold proclamation, Tim? Or are we going to hedge our bets? <sighs> Boy, a bold proclamation would probably get me to actually do what I'm supposed to do. Folks, next episode, I'm going to read a book. And that book is going to be 1776, which is a... Uh, that's, a, that's, a that's a book I've heard of. That's it's a, a big book. book. It's, you know, it's not... It, Size-wise, it's it's not too terribly big. Okay. But it's just a, it, it's a nonfiction book about the Revolutionary War. And I started it many eons ago it feels like now <laughs> and i'm i'm gonna crack down and i'm gonna get her done here in the next month all right i look forward to it all right well leave so long see ya.